I got to tell you, church, there's a fresh hunger in Canada. I can connect the dots. I preach every week in someone else's church. And when I'm not here, I'm overseas. And there's a fresh hunger. I was in Lindsay last week, and some of the folks are here today. And uh, we went two and a half hours. Relax. And God went two and a half hours. And we just, we had a great time in the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. So God's up to something good. It's no longer church as usual. If you're interested in just having church for your hour and 10 minutes, you're not going to like where we're going. Hallelujah. And uh, uh, God's up to something good. He's up to something good. I say thank God. If you're just religious, you won't like church either. <laughs> Thank God I'm not a religious preacher, pastor for 24 years. Couldn't care less about your religion. I, I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That gives me privilege to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's 7 billion people on the planet, and I have the right to share with every one of them. Let me say it again for, to irritate some more folks. Hallelujah. I, I have the right to share with every one of them because they all have a soul. They all have a soul, right? so they may not like it. I couldn't care less. I'm an evangelist. Your pastor has to love you. I'm here for another 45 minutes, and I'm in my truck. Hallelujah. God bless you. I, it's all good. It's all good. Church, now it's time to be bold in the Holy Ghost. Not arrogant, but bold. Step up, step out, and see what God has for your lives. It's time. It's time. This is our time. Straight up. It's our time, and I want to take advantage of it. The years slip by. You've got to come in here Noah tonight. I've been praying that God raise up some young evangelists, men and women, and I say, thank God. Uh, these kneecaps are getting a little weary, so I thank God for the young men and women that are coming up underneath us. And uh, come on, shout for them tonight, and just see what Holy Spirit has. It's good, it's good, it's good. So pastor wanted me to speak to the men this morning. Sorry, ladies. Oh, that's the word. It preaches. So... Thank you, Pastor, for your kindness, and uh, for Dad, too. Uh, great friends, and uh, been blessing Reapers for a long time, and I say thank the Lord. We've had the privilege of raising millions of dollars over the last 17 years, and just spending it, spending it, spending it, spending it, spending it. It's been a real good blast, hallelujah, and just loving on people. We bought 27 properties in Cuba. We buy houses, buy fishing boats, buy, we create sewing centers, hair salons. I don't want to feed you. Thank you. I don't want to feed you, but I'll get you a boat, and you will feed yourself, and you'll take care of your family, and you'll take care of your community, and you'll drop a few bucks off to your presbyter or your pastor, and he'll buy materials like rebar and cement, and so I don't have to do that. It's already on the ground when we get there. Hallelujah. So I'll bring teams of men and women. Sewing centers. One of those sewing centers just cleared over $300,000 last year. Now that's pesos, but that's real money in Cuba. Over $300,000, three or four sewing machines that they've upgraded on. It's that simple, mom. It's that simple. If God would just open our eyes to what we could do. The fishing boat is out every night. They extended it. You can do that in Cuba. They added a foot and a half. Who knew? And so they just make it bigger. And uh, it's good. We're looking at another one right now. And uh, the prices are really high. I looked at a boat a few weeks ago and the, or a month ago. And the guy looked at me and says, you know, they're in great demand right now. These boats. This was like a 27-foot boat. I didn't quite get it. And then I came back to him. I said, what do you mean they're in great demand? He goes, well, they seem to make their way to Miami. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking. So I'm thinking, I'm going to buy this boat, and I'm going to call for Miami sometimes. The Reapers in the Rain boat is in the Miami Harbor, uh, and there's 28 people on it. I'm like, well, we'll just hold off on this program. The hair salons, hair salons, man, they cleared $30,000, $40,000. What a great opportunity to share the gospel when you're doing someone's hair. 
Right? Just talking, talking, talking. They're doing hair. You just share and love on them, encourage them. It's just that simple, church. Let's open our eyes. The harvest is white onto, onto, it's ready, it's white, it's ready, it's ready, it's ready. It's beyond golden, it's white. Now is our time. It's time to step in and grab a hold of what God has for our lives. So the portion of scripture that God led me to was in Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11. I want to jump on verse 19 and talk to you about our friend Uncle Barney. Is that all right? His name is Barnabas. Actually, that's not really his name. His name is Joseph. But he was given the name Barnabas in chapter 4 of the uh, Acts chapter 4. And so the word Barnabas means encouragement. Encouragement. How many know we all need a little encouragement? We need to be encouragers. You're a child of God. If you're not a child of God, you need to sign up today. Hallelujah. All right? And so be a child of God. So we have Joseph. That's his real name, his birth name. But he's given the name Barnabas. Encourager. Encourager. And so I want to speak to you from this portion of Scripture, jumping on verse 19. And then our text will be verse 24. It reads like this. Reading from the NIV. Now, those who have been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen. Do you remember that storyline in Acts chapter 7? The storyline. Young man uh, spoke his mind, led by the Holy Spirit. They took him outside the city walls and they bounced rocks off his body until he basically bled out. He bled out. One of the key phrases in, in Acts chapter 7 and chapter 2 is that he was full of the Holy Ghost. As the rocks were being pelted off his body and he bled out, he basically died. He basically died. I want you to tuck that away because it's said about Barnabas later that he was a man full of the Holy Ghost. Barnabas was there that day when Stephen was, was bloodied and when killed, and they took the, the jacket of young Stephen and other people laid their, their coats before a guy named Saul who later became the Apostle Paul. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. And so he's there that day and he watches that. So when we use this, this verse in verse 24, that he was a man full of the Holy Ghost, do you understand what that meant to Barnabas? Do you understand what that meant to Barnabas? It didn't simply mean he was speaking in tongues or had some kind of gift thrown through his life. It means that at some point Barnabas understood that what happened to Stephen may happen to him. They would actually take on Acts 1.8. He would actually take that on and live it. But you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you to be a witness, to be a witness. But the word witness there means martyr, to lay down your life for the gospel of Jesus Christ. So it wasn't simply standing at an altar going, I need to speak in tongues, I need to speak in tongues. It was when I'm a man of the Holy Ghost, it may cost me my life. It cost Stephen his life. They didn't have the guts to do it inside the city walls. So they take him outside and they bounce rocks off his body. But the word of God says is that was taking place in the physical. There was something that was taking place in the spiritual. And that was the heavens were opened. Hallelujah, hallelujah. The heavens were opened. And Stephen, the young man, bloodied, banged up, about to take his last breath. He looked up into the heaven. And the one who usually sits at the Father's right hand and he ever lives to pray for you, he's not sitting that day. He's not sitting that day. Something on this polluted planet caught his attention. And that was a young man full of the Holy Ghost with rocks pounded off his body, which was about to go into eternity. And Jesus Christ stood there and watched it, even though he had the power to stop it. Understand this today, church, and some of us old-time Pentecostals may not like it, but God can work with power. He can work with purpose. He can work with presence. I'll be back. I'm going to try it over here. God can work with power. Come on, we love the power of God. I love it when I lay hands upon people and, and skin cancer disappears and stomach cancers come up and legs are open and eye, legs are stretched and eyes are open. I love that. 
I love that. That's that, that's it. Woo, glory to God. But God doesn't always work with power, but he works always with pr- purpose. The purposes of God, the presence of God. There was a presence of God that day in young Stephen's life. His rocks are bouncing off his body, and he was full of the Holy Ghost. Full of the Holy Ghost. And so a couple of chapters later, there's Barney. Barney's going, yeah, I'm a man of faith and obedience, and I'm a man full of the Holy Ghost. Oh, oh. I'm a man full of the Holy, oh, oh, it cost young Stephen his life. I'm telling you, church, you may not understand that here in North America, but I've been to enough countries overseas now where people are laying down their life for the gospel of Jesus Christ every day. And if they're not dying for the gospel, they're being imprisoned. I've been in churches in the mountains of Darjeeling in India where they go to prison for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know what they call it? Vacation. They call it vacation. I say, I'm fun thinking, Pastor, don't, don't ask me where I vacation because it's not in prison. It's not in prison. You know why they call it prison? Because they have a roof over their head and they get a meal a day. And they think that's the, the coolest thing, the coolest thing. So we don't understand, we don't fully understand what's taking place in some countries. Uh, you got Cuba that's still listed the top 100 persecuted countries. And, and go and, and spend the time, go, go for the resort and bless the people. Bring another suitcase with you. I get that, I understand that. But that's not the real Cuba. There are men and women that are there. Churches that are being bulldozed every once in a while just to send a message. And those things are taking place. They're taking place. I had a pastor friend imprisoned a, a year ago for one year for buying a piece of beef. He went to jail for one year for buying a piece of beef, a piece of beef, a piece of beef, just a piece of beef. So we don't fully understand what's taking place. So when God just begins to speak to our friend Barney, I may as well just jump on my text here and save some time. The word of God says in verse 24, so there he is, our friend Barney. He was a good man full of the Holy Ghost and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. So one of the things I love about Barnabas is he never gave up. He was a good man. That, that sounds kind of ambiguous. He was a good man. It's like at a funeral when you don't know what to say about the guy. He was a good man. <laughs> no, he'd be a dead man. He, he, was a, he was a good man. He was a good man. We're living in the day and age right now where good means bad. All right? The English language is flip-flop. Some of you are sitting there, yeah, you're old, Chuck, move along. Yeah, I am old, thank you very much. And now, wicked, wicked means really good. My kids are, hey, that's wicked. I'm like, okay, what does that mean? That's really good, that's really good, that's wicked. And so, you know, we're living the days of of Timothy chapter 3, 2 Timothy chapter 3, where God talks about that, there'll be a flip and a flop here, where what was good is now bad and what's bad is now good, and and it's all just turned around. To, To be good today is not cool. Can I just tell you straight up today, to be a Christian in North America, it's not cool. It was really cool in the 1970s in the charismatic movement when thousands of our Catholic brothers and sisters were coming in and receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I mean thousands, thousands and thousands and thousands. I remember watching it. It wasn't saved, but I went to church because Dad was the pastor dude. I, and I say thank God for that. But today to be good, to be good, what's that saying about good news is no news? Just to have good news is no news. And so we lay this out there with our friend Barnabas. He was a good man. So what, Chucky boy? He was a good man. Do you know that the Philistines thought Goliath was a good guy? Just nod once in a while. We'll get out quicker. The Philistines actually thought Goliath was a pretty cool guy. I mean, he's a big guy. He's got his own postal code. 
stands up there every day, fee fi fo fong yells and screams AM and PM and says, bring me your champion. And they're like, we like this guy. He's a good guy. He, and when he hits you, he's going to move you. He's a good guy. Israelites, not so much. They didn't think he was a good guy. I know a guy that could shoot the eye out of a rabbit at 400 yards. He's a good shot, but that doesn't make him a good guy. Some of your sports heroes, they're good men and women in their sport, but are they good people? When the Bible talks about good, the Bible talks about there's nothing good found in Chuck Price. Not one thing. So everything I've done with your money, and if I've done it to my own vainglory, and if I've done it for my own stuff, then I've wasted your money. See, I can give money, but if my motives are wrong, it's the wrong way to do it. It's the wrong way to do it. If, if I want the public opinion, the public poll, and that's the wrong way to do it. I don't want to play that game. And so we need to look at what's good because the Bible says there's nothing good that's found in you. Still with me or you turn me off already? Uh, there's nothing good that's found inside of you. That's what my Bible says. The Bible says to be followers of him which is good, that would be Jesus. That would be Jesus. And so there's nobody on a concert stage, there's nobody on a platform, there's nobody out there that I'm going to worship and worship and worship because I keep my eyes upon Jesus Christ. Because he's the good one. He's the good one. Here's my short list of people you could follow. Jesus! That's it. That's it. Straight up. I admire, I admire talent. I admire talent, but ministry's never been about talent. Okay, I'll be back. I'm going to try it over here now. Ministry's never been about talent. Ask Moses. Ask Gideon. Ask the men of New Testament, the women of Old Testament. It wasn't about how talented they were. It was about how faithful God is. How faithful God is. And so I want to just share and put this into your heart this morning. Not about Goliath and not, not, not about anyone else. But let me talk to you about Barney for a minute. What, what, what qualified him as being a good man? Well, I'm glad you asked. Number one, he was obedient. He was obedient. He walked in obedience. He walked in obedience. Now, obedience has two parts. Obedience has two parts. So I'm over here in Canada, and I'm going to be obedient and go to the Ukraine. Been there nine times. I'm going to put a well in a little village there. Not I, but have the monies and the team to do it. Put a well in a little village in the Ukraine. They're going to be very thankful. My motives are pure. I've raised the money. People have entrusted me with a fair hunk of money, and off I go. I'm obedient. I get there. We're celebrating. We're having a service, and this little lady comes to me and says, I know you. I've never been to this part of the Ukraine. She's never met me before. I say, how do you know me? Through my translator. She says, I saw you in a dream, and I knew you were going to come. I knew you were going to come. Here's my thought, and I'll move on. So if I wouldn't have been obedient, and God had already spoken to that woman that some guy from Canada is going to show up and dig a well, but I choose to stay home. I choose to walk in disobedience, and God's already spoken to that woman, saying there's this, this guy, guy showing up, right, and he's going to put a well in. But I go, uh-uh, I'm not going to the Ukraine. Uh-uh, uh-uh, I don't even like pierogies. <laughs> I, I, I'm not going. What do you think that little lady's going to think about Jehovah God? Liar. 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 What do you think she's going to think about our God? So it's not a case of you deciding what you want to do. It's a case of the Holy Spirit helping you to decide what's right. Because you don't know the other side. You don't know who, okay, 
uh, Elisha. Remember Elisha? There's two kinds of anointing. There's an Elijah anointing and an Elisha anointing. Here's the Elijah anointing. Ah! That's the Elijah anointing. Scare the willies out of you. Runs in front of chariots. Calls fire from heaven. Says to Uncle Ahab and howdy doody, his wife Jezebel, saying, hey, it's not going to rain here for three and a half years until I say so. That's the scary anointing. Some of you don't like that anointing. Get over yourself. Then there's an Elijah, Elisha anointing. Scholar, Bible college president, prophet, teacher, suave, calm, cool. It's amazing how God attracts opposites to get married. Not that Elijah and Elisha were married. I didn't want to marry someone like me. I was already stuck with me. So God takes Elijah and Elijah, Elisha and slaps them together. Elisha and Elijah, right? Elijah goes down to the brook. Remember the brook Cherith? God says, it's not going to rain for three and a half years, but I got your own water supply. The brook dries up. God says, I want you to go down, and there's a little widow that will take care of you. She'll take care of you. She'll take care of you. When he gets there, she's already in her place. What happened if Elijah just chose not to go? I like it here. I got ravens. I got meals on wings. A.M., P.M., they drop a little something off. It ain't much, but I can get through the day. I'm good. The brook's getting a little smaller, but I, I like it here. I like it here. I, I, I'm not the biggest intro, extrovert, so I, I like it here. What would have happened if he would have decided not to go and that widow's there going, hey, where's the guy you promised? Jehovah, where's the guy you promised? What would have happened to her son when he died? See, church, it was never about the water. It was never about the food. It was never about picking up sticks. It was about the miraculous. One of the things the church maybe has lost its way is in all the humanitarian stuff that we do. That's good. I don't do humanitarian stuff because I want to do humanitarian stuff. I do it to earn the right to speak the gospel at night in the village. There's lots of people out there that don't know Jesus Christ, that have more money, have more talent than I do, that can feed millions. They can feed millions, but they won't give us one cent to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Obedience. What has God called you to do recently that you're still debating? What's God called you to do? You're like, I'm not interested in that. That's outside of my comfort zone. It's not my gift. One of the biggest curses we ever did 20, 10, 15 years ago when I was pastoring was we brought this course in, Know Your Gift. And then we tried to get people to volunteer for other ministries, and here's their line. It's not my gift. It's not my gift. I don't volunteer. For one thing, there's no such thing as volunteers in the kingdom of God. We're laborers. We're laborers. You can't find the word volunteer in the word of God. I've read the book a few times. Can't find it. We're laborers. We're laborers. We're laborers. We're laborers. And I say, thank God. You need to walk in obedience. God wants to stretch you this morning. God wants to take you out of your comfort zone and allow the Holy Spirit to take you where he wants you to be. If your comfort zone is 70, that's not where the Holy Spirit lives. The Holy Spirit will be at 68 or 72, but he wants to bring you along. And I say, thank the Lord. Are you still with me? Obedience. Number two is what happened. The word of God says in verse 24, he was a good man full of the Holy Ghost. He was a good man, full of the Holy Ghost, full of the Holy Ghost, full, no room left, no vacancy. Wouldn't it be so good that we were so full of the Holy Ghost? Like when the devil rings the doorbell of your heart, Jesus Christ says, I'll get it. Just, just, just sit. You look comfortable with your iced tea and your remote. Just sit there for a minute. I'll get the front door. I'll get the back door. Wouldn't that be so cool to be so full of the Holy Ghost that saying no to the world was easy? Sir, let me tell you straight up, look at me in the grill this morning. 
You'll never be what God wants you to be by simply saying yes to Jesus. You will never be what God wants you to be. If I say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. How about some no? How about some no, I ought not to be here? How about some no, I need to move out of this conversation? How about some no? How about some no? You'll never be what God wants you to be by simply saying yes, 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 yes to God. You've got to say no once in a while. That's not who I am anymore. That's not who I am anymore. Jesus Christ houses me. I live in him. He lives in me. And I say, thank the Lord. Would you try that this week? No. No, I'm not doing that. No, I'm not putting that. No, just no. He was so full of the Holy Ghost. I say, thank God. I love that fact. Full of the Holy Ghost. He was ready to die. He was ready to die for the gospel of Jesus Christ. One of the dangers in our Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada movement is that we've spent so much time talking about the initial We spend so much time, part of our, our doctrinal stand is the, the, the initial evidence of speaking in tongues, speaking in tongues. I speak in tongues every day of my life. I, no, I, no, no problem with that. Baptizing the Holy Ghost when I was five. Right, so it's been a big part of my life. When I came back to the Lord Jesus Christ that night, that's heavenly language that just began to flow through me. That's not my issue. But we're, we're over 100 years old right now as a movement. Maybe we shouldn't just be talking about the initial. We should be talking about the fullness. Amen. The fullness of the Holy Spirit. The fullness of the Holy Spirit. The fullness of the Holy Spirit. Don't, don't shout me down. It's true anyway. The fullness of the Holy Ghost. Initial. I walked into a prayer meeting in 1978. And that lady there in the blue, purple polka dot. And, and, and I walked into a prayer meeting in a Bible college praying for China. I was the last one in because if you're the last one out, you're the first one to leave. I looked up. There she was. I had to move my legs. She walked in. That was my initial look. That was 1978. I looked up, I got, she's hot. You can say that when you're 20. Okay, I'm 65. She's hot. We married 44 years. 45? Where did the time go? You know the best way, sir, to remember your anniversary? Forget it once. You'd be laughing, but you're nervous. <laughs> Do you think it was the initial look that's kept us for almost 45 years this September? You, you think that initial look when I looked up and go, wow. Well, out the door went China, in came Trish. And I looked up, I thought, I got to get to know that girl. Took her on a date the next Thursday, married her four months later. Why are you groaning, ladies? Too soon? She got to know me, sir. I didn't stand a chance. <laughs> Hallelujah. Love is blind. I ran right on the radar. Hallelujah. I was right there. Pitter patter. Let's get at her. Glory to God. Come on. 45 years next September. Well, I'm away a lot, so it gives her a break. Hallelujah. You clapping for her or me? Okay. I get her a sympathy card every anniversary. Hallelujah. It's all good. <laughs> 45 years, through the ups and downs of life, which I don't have to share because you know what I'm talking about. The real deal of building a family, having a relationship, saying yes, saying no, what's best, not try to be selfish, not try to be egocentric, not try, and just learning how to live with somebody else. It's the fullness of the relationship. Church, you can speak in tongues, you can have the language, but if you don't have the life, you're going to love this next line. Fire up the truck, honey. 
Some of the meanest people in our churches speak in tongues. Some of the meanest people in our churches speak in tongues. We've settled for initial when we should have gone for fullness. We've settled for language and not a life. There's a life, sir. There's a life. Somebody saw something in Barnabas. Somebody saw something in those apostles, those deacons that decided this is the men they need to be. They served tables, but somebody saw something in their character, not simply their prayer life. They saw something in their character that said, these are the men we want to lead us. Our friend knew what it was to walk in obedience. He knew what it was to be full of the Holy Ghost, and he stuck with it. You know what else the Bible says in verse 24? He was faithful. He was faithful. Who decides that? He was faithful. He was faithful. He was faithful. I like that, church. I like that. He was faithful. He was faithful to the call. He was faithful to his city. He was faithful to the nation. And I say thank the God. He was full of faith, full of faith. Our faith in God should elevate as we grow. But your faith in God, you're not going to like this, but your faith in God needs to work its way into faith with people. Faith with people. You're looking at a guy that finds it hard to trust people. I'll tell you straight up. I don't trust everybody. I don't trust everybody in the church or outside of the church. I've been burned too many times, and I've probably done my share of burning along the way. So let's, it's, it's equality there. But to have faith. But if you're going to tell me you have faith in God, then you need to stretch your faith in other people. And a couple leave the church. We were pastoring up in the Ottawa Valley, our first church. We were 30-something, just kids, didn't know any better, and that just give it a shot. And they left the church one day, and I said, why? They said, well, we don't like it here. We don't like the people. We don't trust the people. Oh, pastor, we love you, but we don't love the people. We trust you, but you don't love the people. Well, how do you separate the head from the body? This, you can't do that. I mean, don't separate me from the people I pastor. Those are the people I pastor. I like what Moses put it. If you're going to blot their name out of the book, take my name out also. Take my name. There's no difference here because I'm up here and you're down there. Take my name out of the book also. He was faithful. He was faithful. I love that. You know what else I love about him? He was willing to give Saul slash Paul a second chance, a third chance, but nobody else would give him the time of day. So Ananias was involved on the straight street program. He gives his heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. He's healed and he's baptized all within 17 verses. Every pastor loves that. Glory to God. Ananias moves out of the way. Uncle Barney shows up. You see, you need someone to run the distance with you. Let me just put it out here. You need to have a Barnabas. You need to be a Barnabas. Mentoring. Someone to take on. Someone to bring on your shoulder. Someone you can trust with all the stuff. Not the religious stuff, but all the stuff. Some of you can trust with all your heart. So when everybody says, Paul, yeah, we appreciate what God did in his life, but, you know, this guy killed people. This guy had letters from the authorities to break up prayer meetings and Bible studies. This is the guy, and Barney goes, hey, he can come with me. He can come with me. Others are like, you're whacked. Okay, I paraphrase that. It's not in the King James. Right? He goes, are you crazy? Not in the NIV. But what, what's wrong with you? This guy's bad news. Barnabas is like, he can come with me. He can come with me. And when Paul turned around and said to John Mark, you let me down. You're a deserter. In fact, Barney and Paul split at that time and they went their different ways, which was cool because more people received the gospel of Jesus Christ. Years later, Paul's about to take his last breath in 2 Timothy 4, and he's like, okay, I want you to, John Mark, would you take him with you? He's profitable for ministry. Barnabas rubbed off on Paul. Barnabas rubbed off on Paul. 
There's a faithfulness there. Sarah, I'm asking, ma'am, this morning, I'm asking you to take a risk with somebody that other people have given up on. You want to know why? Because there were people that gave up on me and there were people that gave up on you. I don't remember them. But I remember David Bowen, the guy that showed up at our house with a camp up north for underprivileged kids a week after my dad was killed. I'm 16 years old. And I remember him looking at me in the eye going, if your father gave you to me, the bus leaves next week for orientation, be on it. There was no asking. There was no, would you like to work for me for the summer for $300? Would you like to see 2,000 street kids come up and learn how to canoe or kayak? He didn't play that game. You know what? I, well, everybody else was hugging me because of the loss of my father. You know who I remember? The guy that was kicking my behind. Everybody else was feeling sorry for little Chucky Price. Dad's 51, dies in a car accident on the QEW. I'm 16, and they all felt sorry for me. I took advantage of that. You know what I respect today? The guy that kicked my bottom. He said, be on the bus. Don't be messing with me. He kicked my bottom for seven summers, up and down, up and down, Highway 69. I mean, it was just up to Perry Sound. And I remember that. The junior church teacher that loved on me. Loved on me. The little lady that slipped a nickel in my pocket Sunday nights when dad was rolling the altar till 1 o'clock in the morning. And I'd find it in the way home. I remember that stuff. I've listened to 10,000 sermons like this kid's trying to preach this morning. I don't remember half of them. I'm on court of them. But I remember a somebody. I remember a Barnabas. I remember a grandma. I remember a, a son, a daughter, a, a somebody who spoke into my life and made a difference. They were faithful. They were faithful. Last thought is vision. Uncle Barney had vision. He had vision beyond Jews. See, up to this point, the gospel is only for the Jew. And then the Holy Spirit began to move and fall upon the Greeks. It's in the chapter previously. And then shows up at Cornelius' house. Doesn't even wait for Peter to finish the message. He just blows in, go bunch to Gentiles. Hallelujah, glory to God. And just pours out in the spirit. Wow. When are we going to learn that your circle of four always needs to make room for one more? We become so religious. They're not like me. They don't think like me. They don't talk like me. They don't have the same dogma. They don't, they don't, I couldn't care less. You need to have some unsaved people in your life. Hard to be light and salt when all you're hanging around is a bunch of boring Christians. I say that in love. Hard, hard, hard to be light, hard to be salt when, when we're a bunch of Christians hanging out. I had one lady when I was pastor at King Street. She said to me one Sunday morning, go to the door. She was Pastor, bless God, I don't have one unsaved friend. Yeah, you don't want to hear what I had to say to her. So. She chose another door to leave every Sunday after that, right? There was four or five other doors she'd skip out. I'm like, ma'am, we're not going to dance down that road. You need to have, you know what I love about Barnabas? He didn't check your church membership. He didn't, he didn't say, listen, are you a Jew? Are you circumcised or not circumcised? You know, in, in the chapter before this, they had a circumcision party. A party I don't want to attend. They have a circumcision party. Barney's like, we're not playing that game. I don't care if you're Greek. I don't care if you're Jew. I don't care, I don't care what you are. If you're unsaved, I, don't, I, I couldn't give a rip. I, I couldn't care a whip. You all need Jesus. You all need Jesus. Come on, ma'am. Every Sunday your car leaves the, your door at 20 to 10. Your neighbors have figured out you're religious. 
your truck sir leaves every morning at quarter to ten. They figure out you're going to church. They figure it out by now. What they need to know is Jesus. Lots of folks go to church that don't know Jesus. One of the greatest mission fields right now in North America is the church. You surprised? Church. I've been in churches where for 45 minutes of worship and praise I never heard the name of Jesus. So here's what I'm after today. I'm only going to close two or three times. The message wasn't just for Jews. We're going to send Barnabas to check things out because we hear that God's moving over here among the, the Gentiles, Antioch, where they were first called Christians. And we're going to send, we're going to raise some money here to help out those that have been broken and scattered because of what happened to Stephen. We're going to send some money. And who do they choose to give it to to take? Barnabas. I want to be that guy. In fact, I have been that guy. Where people have entrusted us with millions of dollars over the last 17, 18 years. Why? Why? Because we don't squander it. We don't waste it. We walk in integrity, and I don't mind saying it, and I don't mind saying that. We got balances and proofs along the way. Most of them live here in Durham, and I say, thank the Lord God. If you're going to raise it and you're going to spend it, you need to acknowledge who's given it. Hallelujah. And so my friend Barnabas says, I'll go. I'll take the money. The fact is they trusted that one guy to do the job, the guy full of the Holy Ghost, the guy with vision bigger than just for the Jews, the guy that walked in obedience when other people walked in disobedience. I say, go for it, man. The guy that had a vision, bigger, 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 bigger. Can I just say this? Thank you. Your vision always has to be bigger than you or it's not from God. If you can do it your own bucks, bronze, or beauty, roll over and go back to sleep. You're not kingdom. If, you're, if the call of God and the love of God doesn't wake you up some nights with sweat rolling down your cheeks and going, ah, I can't do this. I can't do this. God calls somebody else. I don't want to do this. I can't do this. You don't know what I'm talking about. But God's the real deal in these last days, and God's going to raise up a people that nobody expected God would even use. You want to know why? Because you can sneak up on the devil because he didn't see you coming. He didn't figure it was going to be you. He thought it was going to be some big name in lights or some big church or some big. Let's not play that game. God's an equal opportunist. If you will step into the anointing that God has for you for an end time, God will use you. My Bible says in the last days, God will pour his spirit upon all flesh. All flesh, our sons and our daughters, they will prophesy. Our young men will have vision, our dreams, our old men will have, uh, switch it around. Our young men will have vision, our old men dreams. God says, I'm going to do it, hallelujah. Church, it's time. Liberty is going to be a part of an end time move of the Holy Spirit of God.